Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Boll, Director of Public Affairs. This week's going to be a little bit different than normal because we have an interview at the end of our legislative update with Garrett Hawkins, the former Director of National Legislative Programs here at Farm Bureau, who is now the Deputy Director of Agriculture over at the Missouri Department of Agriculture. We interviewed him a little while ago to talk about how his first year has gone, what he's been learning, what that experience has been like. You won't want to miss that coming up at the end of our legislative update today. Also, this is Thank a Farmer Week, so we've got a ton going on in our county farm bureaus, and we're having uh, deliveries to Ronald McDonald houses all across the state to thank farmers for the work that they do every day. Any of the uh, activities that you're doing on the county level, be sure to take pictures and tag and share uh, those on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram now because we now um, have an Instagram page. We are uh, we would love to share the information and the work that you're doing to thank farmers this week. So please tag Missouri Farm Bureau with any of those pictures, videos, and, uh, and text of what you're doing this week. Now we're going to get to our legislative update. First, we're going to start off with BJ Tanksley. BJ Tanksley is our Director of State Legislative Programs. BJ, thanks for joining us today. What's going on over at the Capitol this week? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to another exciting week in the state capitol. Um, it's going to be a busy one, just as legislative sessions getting into full swing and having the getting into the normal routine. Um, probably the biggest news is this week, expect the uh, Broadband Development Fund bill to be exacted from committee Wednesday. I'm um, excited about that. We really appreciate Representative Dellis Johnson, his efforts um, to uh, help facilitate broadband deployment in rural areas of Missouri. Um, the fund sets up the framework by which we would do this. Um, it, it mirrors what they did in Minnesota, um, which is kind of held up as a, a shining star of a way of a conservative way to move forward with broadband. Minnesota didn't just dump a bunch of money at it immediately. Um, they kind of walked before they ran and saw the uh, saw the the fruits of their efforts and then continued to to move forward um, with more and more money going towards it. Obviously, it does take some support, um, but I think this is a good first step as we move forward in trying to get broadband to areas that it's not. Uh, it was great to see uh, Representative Johnson uh, joined us this weekend for one of the stops with Senator Blunt. Um, and was able to talk about what he sees as we move forward with this effort. Um, it's great to see kind of the cohesion as we talk at state level efforts and federal efforts as we all kind of move forward, knowing that broadband's important to all of our members, especially our rural members who know um, if you have those the, the capability, you can run a business from anywhere, you can do the things you want to do, you can keep the, the best and the brightest living wherever they choose to live. Um, and, and this is just one more step forward, and I think it, it's a great, great opportunity for the state. Yeah, and we've talked a lot about getting on the same page and everybody having the common plan. But when the rubber meets the road, it comes down to having some money um, devoted towards it as well. Yeah, unfortunately, we know some of these most rural areas, because of the population density, it's it's cost prohibitive for for those providers. And to be able to help facilitate that, to help out with the loan uh, structures and timings and for the state to be able to help, um, that's going to be necessary to get it to that last mile, to the last provider, to the last person. Um, mm -hmm. That is going to be necessary in the end. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it's great to see the state moving forward. Sure. Um, we also noticed uh, last week that Speaker Richardson announced that he's developing or he's implementing a new ag education subcommittee that's going to be chaired by Hannah Kelly, um, the state representative from uh, Wright County area. 
what do you uh, what do you think that that's going to entail? What are they going to look into with that? Yeah, um, Representative Kelly chaired the same type of committee last year, where they they sat down in the evenings throughout the session as as the regular ag committee had dealt with some of the heavier issues. Um, then, as session moved on, this this kind of subcommittee moved forward talking about issues. Um, dealing with ag education, and they really um, they looked at it at three different levels. They looked at it at the uh, elementary education level, the um, high school education level, and at the uh, at the university level. And it was really kind of neat where they dove into what's going on with 4-H, what's going on with our FFA programs, and what's going on with our um, ag education at the at the university level, and different issues that they face at each level. Um, they all had one issue in common, which was needing more additional funding. <laughs> um, but at the no same, surprise. <laughs> yeah, not a surprise there at all. But at the same time, they, they did have specific things that they thought needed to be uh, addressed. And it was really neat. You had kids come in from each level that are experiencing that level of education. You had educators uh, from everything from professors to leaders of 4-H clubs come in and talk about what they see, what's working, what's not, areas where the state can help. And it's not necessarily, uh, at least last year, it wasn't... Um, it wasn't a thing where there's a legislative charge coming out of it necessarily, but rather uh, let's pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk to our other leaders and see what can be done to, to help move us in the right direction. So I don't know that they have the same exact charge this year, um, but I do think there were some steps taken last year that probably uh, they'd like to replicate again. So. Sure. Well, it sounds like a, a good idea and something that we'd like to see some progress on because that's very important to our people. Yeah, absolutely. With less and less people being involved in agriculture, it's important that we continue to educate those that do want to be. You know, mm-hmm. when it was 50 percent of people involved in agriculture, uh, it was obvious that it needed to be a, a priority for all things education. But as fewer and fewer do, it's important that we continue to focus on it. Sure. The the annual legislative day that you put together is coming up at the end of this month. I believe it's on the 27th, if I have the date right. Yes, February um, 27th. Great. Uh, what what do you have planned on uh, on the schedule for that? What do we need to look forward to? Yeah, it's great to be able to talk about that. Um, we're changing things up this year. Uh, for the last few years, Leg- uh, Missouri Legislative Day along has gone in conjunction with our Commodity Conference. So we've had Commodity Conference and Legislative Day as one. And this year we're splitting those out. Um, we're going to have a standalone Legislative Day, which we're excited about. I think it's a great opportunity to focus just on our legislative efforts. And so this year we will be hosting most of it here at at the Farm Bureau Home Office. And we are going to bring members to the Home Office. We're going to start out here around noon. We're going to have lunch and bring in some exciting speakers. We're going to talk about the lay of the land of Missouri politics, look forward to a little bit of the 2018 election. And then we're going to take our members to the Capitol, where we're going to let them share their stories and advocate for the issues we care about and that they care about. We're going to have them there and we're going to bring our legislative leaders to them, talk about what's going on with session, some of the bills that are moving, some of the issues that, that the legislative leaders would like to talk to our folks about, and then we're going to let them loose. For about two, two and a half hours, our members are going to be in the Capitol talking with their legislators about the issues that are most important. We're talking about transportation, property rights, broadband, um, and other issues that we're talking about in the Capitol as the session moves forward, but we're going to be personally advocating for those, and then we're going to wrap it up that evening with our legislative banquet back here at the Home Office, where we typically have three to 400 folks. We bring them in here, uh, serve a great meal, as Farm Bureau always does, and have get to have some of that personal time with our legislators. We always have a great turnout from the Capitol um, and great turnout from our Farm Bureau leaders from around the state. So it really ends up being a great evening. And I think as a standalone event, this is really a great opportunity for us to focus on our legislative efforts and, and really have an impact in the Capitol on that day. Show our strength in numbers.
numbers, as we always do, um, and then uh, also share some of those priority issues with the people that matter. Sure. Is, is this an event that's open to any of our members, or do you have to have a special invitation to attend? Yeah, it's open to all members from around the state. Typically, we have Farm Bureau leaders from county leaders that come up, and we'll, we'll be uh, sending out those invitations. Um, hopefully, our regional coordinators are talking about it as they're at, at, um, at their county board meetings and, and at every opportunity because it's important. You know, We're going to want to show those numbers again as well. With this standalone event, things are different, but I do think it's going to be a great day. We're going to have some exciting speakers here at Home Office, people with some really Real political knowledge from Missouri. We're going to get that same personal impact in the Capitol, and then we're going to have that great dinner and great reception that evening with our legislators. So Great. And so if somebody wants to attend, can they just show up, or do they need RSVP somewhere? Yeah, you can uh, reach out to Shelly Stevenson here at Home Office. Uh, let her know that you're coming, and, and we'll appreciate it. We're looking forward to a great crowd and think it's going to be a great event. Sounds good. You've been doing a lot of work on it. I appreciate that. I think it is going to work out really well. Yeah, we're excited about it. Thank All you. Right. Thanks, BJ. Spencer Toom was our director of national legislative programs. And Spencer, a little bit slower of a news week um, coming out of Washington this week, but we still have a lot of discussions going on with the budget negotiations because we uh, only are under a short-term spending um, Band-Aid package. Uh, where, where do things stand with that right now? Sure, Eric. Thanks for having me back this week. You're right. The government uh, funding does expire on February 8th of this week. Many of you remember a couple of weeks ago, there was actually a government shutdown. And the main controversy associated with that shutdown had to do with immigration policy. Uh, There are several members of Congress who really want action on immigration, and that had not been done before the funding expired. So what Congress did is they passed a continuing resolution that would fund the government through February 8th contingent on the idea that they would take up comprehensive immigration reform uh, before that funding deadline. So I expect that we will be seeing a lot of news out of Washington this week uh, on immigration. I uh, read this morning that the plan is to maybe take up a comprehensive immigration bill, but if that does not happen, uh, there still is a plan in Congress to address the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program or the DACA program, which is really kind of what started this whole debate. So uh, I anticipate there will be some action on that and then... It sounds like we're going to get another continuing resolution actually uh, through about mid-March, March 22nd or 23rd is what I've been hearing to keep the government open. Mm-hmm. There's obviously some implications with the immigration policy and ag policy, um, but we're, we just haven't seen movement towards a real solution yet as to exactly what the, the final product's going to look like. There's seems like there's still pretty early on in the stages of negotiations. Absolutely. And there's a lot of talk about, you know, the new budget package that everybody has been discussing or the omnibus, which to some people, you know, they don't really like the word omnibus, but Mm -hmm. that's, you know, the reality of the situation we're in. Uh, A couple of the omnibus proposals have provisions included in them that would greatly affect agricultural producers in Missouri and throughout the nation. Uh, In particular, I know we've talked a lot about the farm bill, uh, but those budget bills would include provisions that would make changes to the current cotton and dairy programs Mm -hmm. that the 2014 farm bill actually put into effect. Yeah, and that would be a a huge issue, a huge change um, as far as our ag policy is is concerned. So, this is not just broad um, policy that doesn't affect 
ag directly. It actually has some very specific effects on what the next farm bill may look like. So. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, as we wait for a budget to be passed, that has implications on when we can actually see farm bill text, because mm-hmm. that will have an impact on the baseline. And the farm bill can't be written within a certain baseline if we don't have a budget to know what the baseline is. <laughs> yes, so. it's all a domino thing that has it to is. all work together in the right order. So. Absolutely. Um, and this weekend, you were out in uh, the northeast part of Kansas City, or the Kansas City area uh, with Senator Blunt a couple of different stops that you uh, visited. Where where did you go? What did he talk about? And what were your main takeaways from those visits? Well, it was great to see Senator Blunt this weekend. I know he was back in town, had some time off in D.C., so uh, had time to make his way back to Missouri and actually had reached out to Farm Bureau uh, to take part in a couple of different stops. Senator Blunt has long been an advocate for rural broadband access in Missouri, so he asked President Hearst to join him in Ray County uh, in Richmond and then in Clinton County in Plattsburgh, which are two places that I had not ever been before uh, in the northwestern part of the state. Just visited with folks there, had a couple roundtable discussions about what are the issues they're facing locally with rural broadband access and how might we be able to work at the local, state, and federal label to uh, level, excuse me, to take down maybe some of those regulatory burdens, but work legislatively as well to to gain that additional broadband access. Great, he's yeah, he's definitely done a lot of work on those issues, and um, I think that we'll uh, we're going to see some progress in the next few months on the federal level. Hopefully, with some um, infrastructure packages that hopefully will include some uh, some funding and some language that will help. Uh, real broadband rollout. So he'll he'll definitely be instrumental in that. Yeah, we certainly hope so. Absolutely. Well, and I also understand that you were happy to see the the Eagles win last night. I was. Yes, <laughs> I was very pleased that the Eagles beat the Patriots. What so. was the main uh, attraction at your party? Did you guys have uh, any food items that uh, really were a big hit this year? Well, so I know that Farm Bureau had a poll out on Twitter asking people to vote on yes. who was going to be the winner of all of their um, all their Super Bowl festivities. Uh, even though the Eagles won, the main attraction at my party was probably chicken wings. Ah, so right in line with the poll. Uh, oh, did that win? Yes. So actually, we have um, 104 votes, and chicken wings has 38 percent, just barely beating out chips and dip at 34 percent. Oh, we also had chips and mm-hmm. dip. So and uh, the Eagles were 21 percent, and the Patriots in last place was 7%. Oh, really? I was happy to see that as well because I wanted the Eagles to win. Well, I had my Kansas City Chiefs shirt on (laughs) in true, you know, Missouri girl fashion. But I think the last time the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, it was Super Bowl four. Four. Uh, Three, four, four. Yeah. Yeah. Several years before I was born. Yeah. Quite a few before I was born as well. So one of these days. I did learn, actually, I did not know this, that the Chiefs actually played in the first ever Super Bowl. They lost. To the uh, Packers. But that is something I did not know. So I learned something new yesterday. Yeah. One of these days we'll see them there. Hopefully. That's right. If it happened for the Eagles, it can happen for the Chiefs. That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. And hope you have a great week. Yeah. Thank you. You too. Leslie Holloway is our Director of Regulatory Affairs. And Leslie, good to see you today. It uh, looks like you've got a few things on tap for this week. What what do we have with, uh, you You were mentioning to me a little earlier that there's some, uh, some things coming up with the water resources plan. What's yeah. going on with that? Yes, um, there is a, a long process going on right now. The Department of Natural Resources is required to update 
a uh, water resources plan for the state. This is in state statute, and the first plan was actually developed in 1938. Um, it has been updated a few times since then, but not uh, most recently. It uh, was updated back in the 90s, and so it's time to um, take that process up again. So what what is a water resources plan entail? Is that drinking water or rivers and lakes or what type of water? Uh, talking about all all types of water in Missouri, focusing specifically on supply and demand. Hmm. Um, there will be some water quality review in the in conjunction with the development of of the update, but it's it's primarily focused on trying to identify what are the needs that Missouri has for water and what types of uh, quantity supplies do we have. Um, for all of those various needs. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting topic that Missouri hasn't had as many problems with as a lot of other places around the country just because some of the resources we have um, are strong. But it's something I think people are starting to pay a little more attention to as problems get worse in other areas. Absolutely. Water is becoming a a scarce resource in in some parts of the country, and, and Missouri is fortunate to have a pretty abundant supply for all of the uses, all the demand that we have. But there are uh, other parts of the country we know that uh, would like to have access to Missouri's water. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, as technology advances, um, trying to get that water to other places in the country is not out of the realm of possibility. So we want to make sure that we know what we need, what we have, and what the laws are that pertain to the uses of that water. Yeah, that's important to get ahead of rather than waiting until it's too late. And I think a lot of other states are experiencing that right now. So fortunately, we're on the on, on the leading edge of this instead of playing catch up. Yes, and this is a, a long-term process. The department started um, holding meetings with various groups uh, that have interests in water, including agriculture, um, started holding meetings last fall. And it is expected to extend through uh, 2018 into 2019. I believe the final report is anticipated in 2019. But then the report has to go to the legislature. So it it has uh, quite a a lengthy uh, and thorough process to go through. Great. Well, um, we also have some things going on with monarch butterflies. What have you been working on with that? Yes, uh, looking into spring, um, we're kind of gearing back up again, thinking about um, the effort to improve pollinator habitat and uh, specifically monarch uh, butterfly habitat. And um, this was something that was started uh, at the state level. Um, a number of groups, including Department of Conservation, um, co- collaborated on trying to identify ways to voluntarily improve um, pollinator habitat in anticipation of there being a move to list the monarch butterfly monarch butterfly as an endangered species at the federal level. Mm-hmm. And so uh, as that process has moved along and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is in fact reviewing um, a request to list the, the butterfly, um, the state farm bureaus are now kind of trying to coordinate on maybe putting together some sort of a plan that would be sponsored by various state farm bureaus uh, in an effort to um, protect pollinator habitat and uh, come up with voluntary ways to increase habitat. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good project. Again, trying to get ahead of it instead of waiting until it's too late. Once once a species gets listed, your um, your hands are much more tied as to what you can do about it. Yes, that's, that's exactly right. And 
you know, Department of Conservation has the opportunity to put uh, resources to this kind of a project right now, and there are a number of other groups that are also interested in doing that. The ag groups are working with them as well as the other organizations that are, are trying to find ways to help landowners put those types of um, projects on place on their property. And uh, so the, so we are fortunate to have Department of Conservation to work with on this project. In Missouri, a lot of states do not have an agency uh, of comparable status as mm-hmm. we do to be able to have access to those types of resources. Very good. Well, I appreciate the work you're doing on that and hope you have a good week and uh, look forward to talking to you again next time. Thanks, Eric. We recently sat down with the former director of National Legislative Programs for Farm Bureau, Garrett Hawkins, who is now the Deputy Director of Agriculture at the Missouri Department of Agriculture. He had a lot of great insight into his first year on the job, and here he is to tell you about how that's been going for him. Garrett, thanks for joining us. You bet, Eric. Glad to be with you. Well, I can't believe it's taken this long to get you in the chair and uh, sitting in for the podcast. We're uh, obviously you've been a big part of Farm Bureau for many years, and now have moved over to the Department of Agriculture, and uh, wanted to kind of get to know how things have been going and how uh, that all came about. But why don't you tell us a little about your background and what uh, what you did before getting into the department? Okay, so I spent almost 14 and a half years with the organization with Missouri Farm Bureau. Uh, I like to say I cut my teeth or was raised by Farm Bureau because I truly was. I had the opportunity to experience all of the youth opportunities that Missouri Farm Bureau has to offer from the ambassador program to the uh, collegiate Farm Bureau program and then the summer internship program. So the combination of all three of those things uh, really led to the opportunity to to join Team Farm Bureau, so to speak, uh, back in 2002 after I had finished schooling at Missouri State University. So uh, I spent all my time at Farm Bureau in the area of national affairs and policy development and and got to work uh, really all across the organization. And uh, I feel like I can probably say I visited every county in the state during my tenure with uh, with Farm Bureau. (laughs) I'm sure that's true. And I can... uh I can remember the actual, uh, at least I could narrow it down to a week, the first day, the first time I heard your name. And that was when uh, I had just started working for Congresswoman Hartzler and I was doing her ag work in D.C. She was in her very first week on the job in uh, 2011, January, the first week of January 2011. And some issue came up regarding agriculture. She's the only Missourian on the Ag Committee and has been her entire tenure. Um, and... I didn't know the answer because I was only two days on the job or something, and I had no idea what I was doing. And she just got frustrated, and she said, well, just call Garrett Hawkins. And I said, who's Garrett Hawkins? And sure enough, uh, she gave me the number, and I called you, and you knew the answer, and were so friendly and helpful. So I was very appreciative that you made me not look completely dumb and were very helpful and continued to be very helpful through the, the years that I was on the Hill. Um, but you've also been a mentor to a lot of different members uh, and their and their staffs, both in the Missouri Legislature and in um, in Congress out in in D.C. and the Missouri team. Um, what are some of your favorite experiences from your time at Farm Bureau 
working with those legislators and their teams. Oh my goodness. I can tell you one of the things I will, that I have said frequently is that Missouri truly is blessed to have a wonderful congressional delegation. That's true. I mean, that's something as I've worked across the board with many state farm bureaus, um, it's just hard to beat Missouri's delegation and the, the breadth, the depth, the scope, uh, that's there in terms of the issues that we can cover collectively and everyone has their strengths. Um, you know, I've seen change in the congressional delegation from when I first started to where we are now. You know, I'll never forget when uh, our former president, Charlie Cruz, uh, he and Bob Heistusen, who was the CAO at the time, they took me to D.C. on my first uh, trip uh, in September of 2002. And we had lunch in the member dining room with mm -hmm. Congressman Skelton. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget that. Um, Congressman Skelton uh, sent me a, a note after that telling mm -hmm. me that he was proud to, that I was a um, that I was born and raised in the fourth district and uh, he wanted me to always hang my hat and leave my jacket there or anything else I needed to. And, you know, I think through from, you know, the, the teasing that Senator Bond uh, used to do uh, with me and really giving me grief and asking me questions, trying to really see if I knew my stuff, uh, particularly in the days of country of origin labeling and animal identification when those were hot issues. Um, I just feel really blessed because with every congressional office, I learned something from every member I've worked with um, on the Hill, I've learned something. And 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 hopefully um, they've learned something from me as well. Um, you know, one thing I do miss a lot, uh, that interaction, particularly with the delegation, as well as American Farm Bureau staff, we've got a tremendous team in Washington, D.C. That, mm -hmm. that really know the issues. And so that's where I really learned it from, on top of learning from all of our grassroots members. Well, we and you're right, we, we really are blessed to have a a great delegation and especially for agriculture we have a great delegation overall as well but for agriculture there's very few other delegations of the size of ours that have as much farm experience and i think that's really helpful despite the fact that vicky's the only one i'm sorry congresswoman hartzler <laughs> is the only one who um actually serves on the ag committee having that actual experience in their daily lives is is really valuable um to, to at least be able to tell their friends and their circles of influence why a, an issue is important because they understand it from a, the deep level mm -hmm. that only a farmer can. So we are very fortunate th to, to have that. And I also am proud to have been born and raised in the 4th District. So we have that in common as well. Uh, so you've been in this job now for about a year uh, as Deputy Director. Not quite, but coming up on a year. Um, obviously, you you had spent your entire career at Farm Bureau up until then. What was it like transitioning into a new job, and uh, what were some of the biggest challenges of just moving over into a new position? Well, I I can say uh, with all assurance, it was like drinking from a fire hydrant uh, yeah. on day one, and it's continued to be like that. But uh, hopefully, you can feel the smile on my face uh, um, because it's a good challenge in the fact that I'm learning every day. You know, I've had the chance to work on state issues, some through the years, and, and some work in the state capitol, but um, this has given me a much more well-rounded perspective, I think, uh, of agriculture policy um, from a different side and the fact that I'm a regulator in some instances now, <laughs> right. which I say that jokingly, but in all seriousness, too, in terms of the aspects, what the Department of Agriculture does to protect farmers and ranchers as well as consumers of the state. So um, it really is 
a neat challenge for me to take that federal experience and marry it with my responsibilities now at the department and provide that perspective, that linkage between how the process works in D.C. You know, when you look at a lot of the work of the department, a lot of it is on behalf of different arms of the federal government. We have mm -hmm. cooperative agreements with the U.S. Department of Agriculture, Environmental Protection Agency, Food and Drug Agency, or Food and Drug Administration, and, and that's to carry out work on their behalf. And, and I hear time and time again that people want our people, they want Missourians on the ground doing that work. And so just in my nine, 10 months, I've learned tremendously on this uphill climb of trying to, to make sure that I'm serving Governor Greitens and Director Chen, um, but doing my best to serve all Missourians in this role. Well, it's obviously there have been some ups and downs and um, some, some tougher times than others over the past few months. What, what are some of the things that have really been the most challenging to you? And I have a guess as to what your answer may be, but uh, what, are, what have been some of the hardest days you've had? Well, you know, even for me, um, as as Director Chen's um, deputy and, and really chief of staff, uh, learning to manage, you know, we have 350 people throughout the Department of Ag. And mm -hmm. so, so learning um, uh, and honing my management skills um, and empowering employees is something that Director Chen and I take very seriously. So, so that's been one thing that, that's been a challenge, but a fun challenge because I'm truly learning from, from others and how I can better empower them and better communicate. Um, from a policy standpoint, clearly, um, when you talk herbicides and, and uh, the responsibility that the department has, uh, in that arena. Uh, dicamba has been a real challenge. That's um, the one I was thinking. Uh, yeah, you were waiting for me to get to yeah, it. When's that um, work going to hit? But you know, I really hope that the ag community, our farmers and ranchers see that from action taken this summer to, to where we're at today, that this department takes these issues seriously. And we look at it from the farmer and rancher perspective because Chris and I are farmers. Our families' livelihoods depend on agriculture. And and we challenge our staff to, to look at these issues as difficult as they are, and, and we look at them from all sides. I mean, literally, we'll have a war room set up, and we've got post-it notes, and we're writing on papers and posting them and weighing all possible options. And that's also on top of being accessible and making sure that, that we're being out in the countryside, meeting with people and hearing what people have to say. And so I hope that... While dicamba, as difficult as it is, it's probably one of the most difficult policy matters I've ever dealt with, um, I hope people see that this department is serious about listening and also putting forth deliberate, thoughtful policy each and every time. You know, we're not afraid to confront a challenge, and, and whenever we make a decision, we're going to own it. And, and mm -hmm. truly, that's how I see with dicamba. Sure. Um, so we can talk red tape, we can talk some other major big picture things, but truly, you know, dicamba is one that's been a, been a trial by fire yeah. um, that's forced us in a good way to have new discussions with other state departments of agriculture, mm -hmm. uh, as well as EPA relationships that I never thought we'd have. Um, but difficult issues like this require us to do that due diligence to make sure that we are looking at all options to best serve our farmers. Sure. And you mentioned this a little bit, but you are a farmer as well. And your family is uh, comes from a farming background. And I know that your, your wife is also involved in agriculture quite a bit. And you, uh, obviously, this transition to a new job has been very challenging in a lot of ways, not just professionally, but personally. What, what's been, what have been some of the challenges of transitioning over to this role? 
So, you know, so family wise, uh, Jennifer and I made the decision uh, to move home to the family farm about a year and a half ago. So uh, while I was still working at Farm Bureau, um, she decided to take a step back from teaching high school agriculture full time. Uh, we really decided uh, with our three little ones that it was time to, to get back to our roots, um, at least to, to, the, to my family farm. So uh, we relocated from Jefferson City back to Appleton City. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Jennifer is spending more time. <laughs> She's the farmer in this marriage at this point. <laughs> I mean, yes, I did get to, uh, I, I combine beans and, and hauled and stuff, but she's more day to day there, um, with my parents and, and siblings. So, um, her family lives down at Sarcoxy, so a little bit further south. So they, uh, they're full-time dairy operations. So okay. I try to avoid, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to have to get up and milk. Yeah. When I'm down there, I'm, uh, I've learned all phases of the dairy operation now, um, mm -hmm. which my father-in-law is pretty proud of, but, um, <clears throat> but we take seriously our ag roots mm -hmm. and wanted to make sure that our kids were exposed to it on a daily basis. And that's one thing my grandpa always said when we'd sit around the kitchen table on Sunday afternoons. You know, we'd talk about some of these serious issues, and he'd always remind me, don't forget where you came from. Mm -hmm. And so that's why um, we felt it was important to get home. And, and if we're going to vision our farm forward, if we're going to carry on uh, as the next generation, hopefully our kids the next generation, um, we need to be there on a more regular basis, be more active, be involved in decisions. And so um, it's a decision we don't regret. It's mm -hmm. also a decision, though, that means that I'm on the road a lot. And right. uh, the director uh, knows that full well. Um, as she's uh, uh, moving back and forth from northeast Missouri, I'm just heading south and west. Right. Um, so, But you know what? When you know you're doing it for the right reasons and, and you know that there's a higher calling, um, that we have a window of opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. And I mean a real difference when we talk about moving the needle. Um, whatever this is for however many years, um, we know it's the right decision because hopefully we'll be able to look back and say that we've impacted everyone in our communities all across the state. Well, that's great to hear. And we appreciate the sacrifices you've made. I know it, it really is a sacrifice to to do that. And one of the things I've noticed, I've been in positions as well where I've spent a lot of time on the road and to me, it made me uh, get more efficient and plan my uh, plan my week out a little bit better. Has, has that been something you've noticed as well? I try my best. It's just crazy. <laughs> the department. Uh, I mean, there's only so much you can I mean, plan. But, but Director Chen is wonderful in the in the and she knows with our three little ones that some days when it's time for me to go, she will stand there at my desk and she will make sure that I am out the door. <laughs> I heard because, you got ushered out, out of the building recently <laughs> by the director. <laughs> uh, because family is so important. Yeah. I mean, uh, we can't sacrifice our families ultimately. Ultimately, when we're trying to make agriculture and our communities better for our families, the last thing we want to do is sacrifice our families in right. the process. So, uh, so yeah. So I do enjoy the time on the road. I catch up on podcasts. Uh -huh. um, good, good. I do catch up on audiobooks, And of course, it's spent uh, time making up on phone calls. Right. Uh, but we need better cell service in rural Missouri, and that's why Director Chen and I are making sure to talk about that a lot, too. Absolutely. Cell service and broadband would be very helpful. Uh, so what are the, some of the things you like the most about the position? It's diverse. It's never the same every day. Um, there's always a new challenge every day. Um, and, you know, what I really like, uh, Governor Greitens is so aggressive um, in terms of really trying to make government more efficient, to make it operate more like a business, you know, you know, from the cabinet level on down um, through leadership, you know, we talk about the citizens first. It's my Missouri and it's the people's money. And 
the things that we're doing um, are truly good things that I think are going to make a difference um, in people's lives. And so, so as we talk about red tape reduction, Director Chen laughs at me because I get a little bit nerded out about that. But I'm excited about having spent 14 and a half years outside of government trying to influence policy. Now I'm in a place that I can influence policy by asking, why do we do this? Right. And, it's a very and so different perspective. It's yeah. a very different perspective. So from regulatory reform to the organizational health index in terms of what's really geared for is empowering employees. How do we make state government better by empowering employees? And then moving to performance-based budgets to make sure that we're spending every dollar wisely. Um, yeah, I just think these things from an overarching standpoint are really exciting. And yeah. I think Director Chen and I are all, it, it, it's its a learning process to mm-hmm. go through all this, and it's all at once. Right. But yet, over the next few months and years, it's going to yield real results. Yeah. Well, we look forward to seeing that. Um, and one of the things that uh, I think is a, a potential way that you can make a difference is um, by influencing the way that we uh, market our products. Um, how do you keep a free market free? That is a great question. Um, keeping the free market free is really, really, really important, um, particularly as we look at red tape reduction and look at how Many restrictions are in place, particularly in some state agencies uh, within some chapters of the state regulatory code. Um, you know, when I think about our Department of Agriculture, and you get back to marketing of our products, um, that reminds me, Director Chen kids, kids me a lot about being the department cheerleader. But our, the marketing arm of our department now is focused on a bigger, bolder agenda. Uh, they'll soon roll out a new strategic vision for ag business development that really focuses on freedom, uh, that really focuses on, on increasing trade opportunities for farmers, um, that uh, increases um, awareness of the Missouri Grown brand and, and what it means to farmers and ranchers. So, so. I think there are a lot of exciting things going on from a bigger, bolder standpoint, and truly from reducing red tape, all these things are meant to to bring about, hopefully, more freedom in the marketplace. That's good to hear. Uh, well, and you also mentioned um, the performance-based budgeting, which is something that uh, I know the governor has been pushing quite a bit across state government in all the departments. but. To be honest, I don't entirely know what exactly that means. Could you kind of give us some insight into what performance-based budgeting is and how how you do that in, in a state government? Yeah, so performance-based budgeting, um, we are, as we're going through and looking at every program that appears in the state budget, um, <clears throat> we are looking at uh, the measures that have always been used to, what, to say whether that program is successful or not. And so... We are changing up metrics to make sure that we're really looking at, is this program worth keeping or not? Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that performance-based budgeting and red tape production aren't all just completely disjointed Mm because really they're intersected. Because as we're going through red tape, you know, as we're looking at some areas and then asking questions about, well, why do we do this Mm -hmm. if we don't have to? Why are we doing it? What service does it really provide? And then you look at the outcomes, the metrics, it's helping us ask the right questions in terms of, well, could we better use dollars over 
here rather than with this program. And so over the next few months, as we roll out our regulatory reform, what we're putting through the rulemaking process, you're going to see that, that there may be a few programs where we've said based on the performance measures, based on the regulatory standpoint, that we're going to recommend that Missourians put on the chopping block, mm -hmm. that, that perhaps they're not good use of taxpayer dollars. So, so they're really not too far off. It's just mainly when we say performance-based budgeting, it's just a better way of saying are we using your dollars efficiently? Sure. Well, that's something that I've always really struggled with during my time working in government was what exactly is your measure of goal? Uh, what, what's your goal? What's your measure of success? Is it because you don't have that profit number to, to determine whether or not you were selling enough product or making, making a profit, you are there to serve the constituents but what exactly does success look like? So um, how, how do you come up with those metrics? What, how do you define success? Lots of meetings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's true. I mean, we really have, really I mean, <laughs> it's been tough to get our arms around in some programs. So yeah. you look at um, Agri-Missouri and Missouri Groaning. You look at participation in those programs, but then you really try and figure out, well, what is the end value? Uh, what does that truly mean for that farmer that's participating in that program? Mm -hmm. So, so really taking a look at what we have now and trying to figure that out. But some areas are really difficult because they may be more activity based, right? right? Like how many inspections do we conduct? Mm -hmm. And well, is more better or it, is fewer better or yeah. And like are more finding more violations. Does that mean you're doing a better job or, or not? It's often very difficult to define. It is. What is a, a better outcome? It is. It just varies all across the board. And one of the things that we're doing across the board is, is instituting a customer satisfaction survey mm -hmm. to make sure that for those uh, um, individuals who are out in the field every day that are serving Missourians, serving farmers and ranchers, to make sure that when they're using our services that they're asked, how do we do? Um, did we have prompt service? Did we follow up in a timely manner? So, so you may think that Maybe that's only for business, but from a government standpoint too, we want to know, was our interaction, mm -hmm. was it worthwhile? Was sure. it friendly? Um, yeah. So that's something that we're also instituting and that will be a piece of the metrics that we're using. And, and if you do really look at the the real ultimate role of government as being to serve the people, then it makes sense that customer mm -hmm. service satisfaction would be a good metric to measure. Um, so hopefully that'll pay off some benefits and you'll see some results there soon. Um, but it's so, sort of an ephemeral thing to measure. It's sometimes hard and very, it's by definition subjective. So, um, hopefully you will be learning some things from that, but you may end up tweaking things as you go along before you get there. And, and we know that it's going to be a learning process. So mm -hmm. for the most part, you know, we're trying to establish these baselines so that we know, you know, where to go. And again, we're going to adjust as needed. There's nothing yeah. that's truly set in stone, so to speak. Right. Well, thanks again for taking the time to, to join us. I really do appreciate it. It's been fun to see you uh, transition into the new role, and uh, we've loved seeing you and the director um, over in the department and someone that we know, a friendly face to at least talk to, even if we may not always come out on the same side of everything. At least you, uh, uh, we know that you've thought it through and are trying to make the best decision for the entire state. So we appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you, Eric. Um, and before we go, is there a, a good place if people want to learn more about the work you're doing or the um, your social media? Are there places that we could uh, direct them to? 
Yeah, so agriculture.mo.gov uh, is our landing spot online. Uh, truly check it out. Uh, we'll have everything on there from consumer alerts to to the latest information on red tape reduction and, and rules that we're getting rid of. So we want to make sure that Missourians are paying attention to that page because it's mm-hmm. going to have a, essentially a running timeline of everything that's in the hopper that people may or may not want to comment on. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, on social media, um, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Um, Director Chin obviously has a, a tremendous following. Uh, and so uh, make sure to check us out because our team does a great job of trying to amplify the message of agriculture right along with Farm Bureau and our commodity organizations. Well, we appreciate that. Great. Well, thanks again. We appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us. Garrett's been a great friend to us for many years. It was great to talk with him. Hope that you enjoyed listening to his first uh, his impressions of his first year on the job. Have a lot going on this week at Farm Bureau. This is one of our busiest weeks of the year. Thank a Farmer Week, as I mentioned earlier, is going on all week. Please be sure to tag Missouri Farm Bureau when you're sharing any of the activities that you're doing on social media so that we can share those things and um, show people just how much people appreciate the, the work that farmers do. We also have our Young Farmer and Ranchers Convention, our uh, conference at the end of this week at Tantara. It's the 9th through the 11th. Keep an ear out for our, uh, we're going to try to do a uh, preview of that here in a couple days on a special edition of a podcast. And if you're interested in going to, to the YFNR convention, you will definitely want to tune into that to know what's coming up. Um, but that is the 9th through the 11th, the, the end of this week at Tantara. And as BJ talked about quite a bit, we do have our annual legislative day on February 27th. So let him or Shelly Stevenson know that you're going to be able to come. We're going to uh, have a lot of good speakers, as BJ mentioned, people that we don't normally hear from that are going to give some really interesting insight. I think you'll want to be there for that. And as I've mentioned before, the Ag in the Classroom mini-grant applications are due the end of May. So Make sure to let your teacher friends know about that so that they can get their applications ready to go and submitted well ahead of time. Don't want to wait on that. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back in a couple of days with that special edition for Young Farmer and Ranchers. Thank you. Thank you.